Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths concerning fellowship of God. If the motive for you coming to church is other than hearing the voice of God for your life, it's wrong. If you're here because you get attention, it's wrong. But if you're here because God has called you and you are excited about God, then it's right. And then because you're excited about God, then you're excited about the things that God is doing through the church. And you're part of it. That's important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What's the solution to city, family, and individual problems? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, it's a healthy church. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his current series, he brings us three exhortations that we can apply to today's fellowships. Let's join him in the book of 1 Thessalonians for today's Bible study, The Heart of Sacrifice. Paul the Apostle, as a loving father, was besides himself in view of not knowing the spiritual conditions of the Thessalonians. It is very clear by his letter. The Apostle's attempt to return had been hindered by Satan a couple of times. And now he is communicating to the Thessalonians about his alternate plan of sending Timothy. Of course, he's writing in retrospect, letting them know what took place. Let me read verse 1 through 5. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulations just as it happened, and you know. Here's the three elements that demonstrate Paul's loving care for the Thessalonians. The crises, verse 1, how it came about. Secondly, the commission, verse 2 through 4, why Timothy was sent. And then thirdly, the concern, verse 5, what Paul wanted to know. Let's begin here with verse 1, the crisis, how it came about. Now notice the word therefore, it looks back to the preceding section. They had been taken away suddenly, as you know, but only in physical presence, not in heart. He said that in chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. The conditions had reached to such critical point that Paul says, when we could no longer endure it. The word endure originally meant to cover or protect with the idea of bearing with and putting up with. Now, Paul was willing to be left alone at Athens, knowing the Thessalonians would not be left alone. And there's the key. Don't miss it. There's the sacrificial love. He was willing to be alone so they would not be alone. Here's the heart of Paul. Still acting as a faithful nursing mother to them, as in chapter 2, verse 7. Still willing to impart to them not only the gospel, but his very life, because they were dear to him, chapter 2, verse 8. Notice, secondly, we have the commission. The commission, why Timothy was sent. The purpose for sending Timothy was twofold. Verse 2, to establish them in their faith, first of all. The word established means to set fast, solid, fixed. Which parent doesn't want his children to be fixed, stable in life? Let me tell you, when my brother Raul and I got saved, what a blessing for my parents. 
They didn't have to worry about us. You, you understand what I'm talking about as parents? I mean, after you get done raising them, you want to be able to just look back and say, man, that's great. You don't have to worry, go to bed on Friday night, oh, I wonder where he's at. No, you, you know they're fixed. This is what Paul wants. The ideas of undergirding those who are spiritual babes in the faith for stable perseverance. Chapter 3, verse 13, he finishes his prayer by praying that. This comes by the teaching of the Word of God. Ephesians 4, 11 on down, the purpose of the church. It doesn't come by, by just the process of osmosis. It doesn't come by, by wishing it. It doesn't come by, by going to church once a week, once a month. It, it, it comes by being consistent. You know, people don't get big bellies by being inconsistent and eating. They're very, very consistent. They are committed. Oh, I'm stuffed. I can't eat another thing. Anybody want dessert? Okay. <laughs> the milk of the word for the infants, the solid word for the mature person in Christ, Hebrews 5, 12 through uh, 14. Paul is saying, listen, I'm sending them back for every one of you. Now notice the second purpose, to encourage them in their faith. The word encourage, as you know, parakaleo means to come alongside. What does a father, what does a mommy do? One of the little kids is discouraged. Does she tower up and say, Come on, suck it up, kid. No. She comes right next to him and she goes, Come on, you can do it. She even gets down to his level and encourages him, comforts him. The idea is to bring that comfort right alongside, to move forward in their faith and to be and make stable progress. Ensuring that they are not being hindered, gripped with fear in order to obey the Word of God. And that's what encouragement is, right? Let me give you a good illustration, a picture of encouragement. A little kid, he's your son. And he wants to dive off the diving board. And he's out there going, you know, and you're, come on, go, go. Here's some encouragement. <laughs> I'm helping you to do what you know you should do. You need a little push. That's all. This is the responsibility of spiritually mature and seasoned young men and fathers. You who have been in the Lord years. You need to pour yourself into other men, women into other women. You're here not for yourself, you're here for others. If the motive for you coming to church is other than hearing the voice of God for your life, it's wrong. If you're here because you get attention, it's wrong. If you're here because you like the three-point sermons, it's wrong. But if you're here because God has called you and you are excited about God, then it's right. There should be no other reason why you're excited. And then because you're excited about God, then you're excited about the things that God is doing through the church. And you're part of it. That's important. Notice the encouraging comes through establishing them concerning their faith, which is by the teaching of the word. This leads to encouragement, not the reverse. Too many people want to be spiritual cheerleaders. You have a lot of uh, motivational speakers today, even in the Christian community. Listen, give people the word and they'll be encouraged. You can be encouraging all you want and they'll be fine while you're there. But then they leave or you leave, they're right back in the same place. What's going to make them obedient to encouragement is the word of God. Nothing less. Encouragement without teaching the God's word is worthless. 
For the Holy Spirit will not bring to your mind what you have not studied or put in your mind or heart. You must study. We are both exhorted and commanded to obey, yield, fight, walk, press on, resist, believe, and trust in the Word of God. Now notice thirdly, verse 3 and 4. The particular focus to be communicated by Timothy. First, to reassure the Thessalonians in view of their sufferings. Timothy was to instruct them that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. And the word shaken originally means to wag. And it was used of dogs wagging their tail. The ideas of agitation and motion. Timothy was going to tell them not to be moved. Not to be agitated or disturbed by the pressure, the anguish and trouble. How? By the teaching of God's word. How else? The word for affliction means to cause pressure. It is use of crushing grapes. Listen, if you move in life, you're going to get pressure from every angle. You live in a fallen world. You live in a society that's depraved today more than ever before. There are no black and white that everything's gray. Everybody is doing what's right in their own eyes. And if you are committed to truth, absolute truth, and committed to God, they think you're weird. But it's okay, don't worry about it. The pressure will come. Remember, the only thing that they possessed at this time was the Old Testament. So Timothy went back with the Old Testament. And there's plenty of examples and stories. He could have pointed to Daniel. could have pointed to Moses. could have pointed to Noah. Many different things. It was full of the testings and afflictions of God's people. You see, that's where we go to, the Word. Because it's so easy to get into the me, right? Poor me's. And you don't understand. That's the whole thing of our generation, right? We're just saying, well, you don't understand what I've gone through. So we've gone through this whole philosophy. Well, you know, it's because my mother did this, my father did this, and because they did this, and I'm a codependent, I'm a naval runner. No, you're a rotten sinner. That's what you are. So we get into these whole psychological, sociological terminologies, and we don't acknowledge who we are. We're sinners. We've missed the mark. Listen, environment, other people, what they do, it all affects to an extent, but I make decisions. Listen, my life is the sum total of my decisions. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are very few things you really get forced in life to do. You have a decision. You have choices. Timothy was to also re-instruct them that they knew that believers were appointed to this. Woo. That doesn't sound too encouraging, too positive. You tell people they want to be saved into the kingdom of God, and they tell them, by the way, you're going to get it. Wouldn't that, you know, and that's what a lot of people are afraid of in the church. Let's just get a user friendly church, you know? And let's just not offend people. Let's just get them in, and then slowly, well, that's deception. Listen, lay the cards out on the table. Jesus laid them on the table. Don't be arrogant about it, but be truthful about it. That's deceptive. A lot of preachers and teachers are deceptive today because they want to, quote, quote, get a big church. Woe to them. Woe to them. The word appointed literally means to lie outstretched. It is used of the city set on a hill in Matthew 5, 17. It is used of Jesus lying in the major in Luke 2, 12. It is used of the body of Jesus laying in the tomb in John 20, 12. In other words, these Testings, trials, afflictions, pressures. Listen to me. They are appointed to you and me. 
Certain things are by appointment. They come to you, they come to me because they will reveal what I'm made of. So that God can change me. They knew the believer is stretched out as a target. An attack for this reason they are not to be shaken. So, they were to know this. He was to remind of this. Jesus said in the world you should have tribulations, right? But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world in John 16.33. Jesus laid his cards on the table. Timothy was to remind them that they had told him beforehand. Not only was he to go back and tell him again, but when he went back, he was to tell him, Remember that I told you when I was here. We told you about it. Now I'm here to tell you again. How many times do you and I have to be reminded of certain things in the Lord? All kinds of times. Every day. They had told him repeatedly when they were together with them at Thessalonica that they would suffer tribulations. The pronoun we refers to all Christians. Paul for the first time uses himself along with the Thessalonians. We are included with you. We are not elite of this. We cannot escape this. We also will receive great pressure in life. Now notice Paul told the converts in the first missionary journey. You remember that? What did he tell in the first missionary journey in Acts 14.22? He said, by the way, we must enter the kingdom of God through much tribulation. He laid the cards on the table. Jesus said, you want to follow me? Deny yourself, pick up your cross. You want to follow me? You have to love me more than your mother and father. Lay it on the line. Don't think that you have to water the word of God down or that you have to exclude certain things so you don't... Listen, people ask you questions, lay it on the line. And love, compassion, don't be arrogant. And let God take care of His Word. You don't have to backpedal. You're to give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in you with meekness and fear. Why? Because we know the terror of the Lord. We know what awaits people if they die without Christ. You die without Christ, you're here this morning, you die without Christ. You walk out of here, you don't accept Christ, you get in a car wreck, you will be in hell. That's heavy. You will be in hell, you'll be lost. Why? When God has paid for your sins. It doesn't happen automatic. You must come to the foot of the cross and repent of your sins and accept them as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't, you will perish. They reminded them of their own suffering, which they themselves had gone through and the Thessalonians had seen them. In chapter 2, verse 2, he told them how in Philippi they were beaten and imprisoned. In Acts 17, 5 through 8, they were present when they were chased out. And so before it even happened, they told them how they were persecuted in Philippi. And then it happened to them again there at Berea and Thessalonica. And now it had happened to the Thessalonians. The believers born into warfare. But equipped for it in Ephesians 6, 10 down to 18. With the Spirit of God and the armor of God. By the way, it's a winnable war. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I finished my course with joy. The crown's laid up for me. And all those who equally run. The most basic principle within the scriptures that we need to remember is the tribulation will only transform me more to the image of Jesus Christ, developing perseverance, character, and hope. Romans 5, 3 through 5 tells us. We are not to think it's strange, Peter says, when these fiery trials come. 1 Peter 4, 12. Because why? You and I know that they're going to happen. So we shouldn't freak out, right? 
We are promised to never be tested beyond our ability to endure, but with every test it shows a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10.13. I love that verse and I hate it. I hate it because I have no excuse when I fail. And I love it because I always have somewhere to run. We are not to lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. Have you ever really sat for a second and looked and see how much you've changed? Or maybe you don't know Jesus Christ this morning. You might look at your life and maybe you don't like the way it's going. You need change, but change comes with Jesus Christ. As you acknowledge your need of Christ, and that He alone can change your life. We are told that these sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed in Romans 8.18. We have no idea. No idea. And so the commission of sending Timothy was to point them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. Notice third and last, the concern, what Paul wanted to know. And it's just one verse. He once again mentions the crisis of being unbearable, pressure, and anxiety for them. Paul is concerned about them as people. They're not just numbers. They're people. He sent Timothy to know their faith, he says. He wanted to know how they had responded. He wanted to know if they had responded in view of what they had been taught and received, turning to Christ and the Holy Spirit or not. Notice the word faith, a key word to the letter. Go through a concordance, see how many times it appears. Personal faith, the faith that the gospel predicts. Your faith must be biblical, must be scriptural. If it's not based on scripture, your faith is not biblical. It's worthless. It must be based on the scriptures. And notice secondly, to know the outcome of Satan's attack. The resistance to the enemy's temptation was not automatic. Never forget that. Okay? If there was no potential for failure, why would he worry? You must make that observation. Okay? Parents don't worry because nothing can happen. Parents worry because things can't happen. All right? The tempter is Satan as a source of attack. Satan hindered the apostle he already told us in chapter 2, verse 18. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. He's the God of this world. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He is as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. Satan is able to transform himself into an angel of light in his minister, 2 Corinthians 11, 14-15. Then how do we know? By what he says. If you know God's word, you know whether God's talking to you or Satan and his emissaries. Notice the word tempted. It means to solicit to do evil. Who is that? Satan's doing that. First Chronicles 21, 1, Job 1 and 2, and Zechariah 3, 1, Satan stands up to tempt David and to oppose the work of God. He says about Job, let me have him. He serves you because what you've blessed him. God does allow Satan to test us at times. How will you do? Didn't he come to Eve and say, has God said? Real crafty, real subtle. 2 Corinthians eleven three says. He tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew 4, 3. What did Jesus say? Man should not live by bread alone. He was praying. He was filled with the Spirit. He used God's word. Defeated him. There's your weapons. The response to the enemy could have made the mission what? A failure. Look at that. The word labor means to toil hard, to exhaustion. 
Their labor speaks of the work of the gospel, preaching and ministering unto them, proclaiming the word of God. Their labor speaks of the work and teaching them as they were there for three weeks. The work of ministry is thought by many to be something easy. They just look at Sunday morning. They just look at, you know, well, this guy just speaks once or two times a week. That would be a nice job to have. Hard labor to the point of exhaustion, the word that he uses. The word vain means empty, fruitless, useless, ineffective. Paul has already stated that it was not fruitless. But in fact, it was mission accomplished. We saw that last week. Chapter 2, verse 1, verse 13 and 14. But he's looking at this point with retrospect to let them know how he was feeling and what he did. And his fear was that their faith would have been in vain. Their labor might be in vain as Satan successfully pressured them completely. And they gave in. For anyone to say... That there is no possibility of failure is to deny the error's tense that indicates anxiety regarding the potential. Who are the ones that are warned in the New Testament? Non-believers or believers? Believers. Non-believers are evangelized. Believers are warned to abide, to stable, to continue, to not drift away. If there is no potential, why all the warning? The diary entry, Jim Elliot, an Aqua Indian martyr, wrote, quote, God, I pray thee, light these idle sticks of my life, that I may burn for thee. Consume my life, my God, for it is thine. I seek not a long life, but a full one, like you, Lord Jesus. Are you concerned with living to be 100? Or are you living to have a full life? Being used of God. We need to be concerned about people's spiritual condition and back it up by investing our lives in other people's lives. And more so as shepherds. Paul demonstrates this in ongoing speech as he tells the Ephesian elders how he blessed them for three years. How he served them. He didn't take anything from them. First Peter 5, 1-4 speaks to the shepherds. How God will reward them in that day if they do it out of love. Not out of love for money. The, the shepherd has to be available. It has to be there. Now the shepherd can't meet with everybody. But he makes himself available. And the church understands that. We need to be concerned about people's response to the enemy's attack. That we care about one another. Not to pry into people's life, but to be genuinely concerned. But to encourage them, to pray for them, to ask them the questions. Can I pray for you? What's going on? And, 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 and just minister unto them. Come alongside. Um, to warn them of the subtle strategies of the enemy. And how he, you know, our flesh and the devil and the world and how it pulls us away. We need to rejoice with those who... Become victorious and stand and rejoice with them, even as Paul did. For when one member suffers, we all suffer. One member rejoices, we all rejoice. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. Paul at the end, in chapter 3 here, verse 7 to 10. He ends up rejoicing, giving God thanks, and then he ends up praying for them. That's great. The concern of Paul was to know if they had survived Satan's attack. He got the report. Yes. The sacrificial loving care of Paul for the Thessalonians is marked by these three elements. The crisis of life will reveal who is living our life. You or God. The commission in life is to point people to Jesus. Point them to the Word. The concern of believers is to know if others have survived Satan's attacks. Very important. Every one of us can be used in that. 
We should have that perspective. A heart of sacrifice. A shepherd's heart. Pastor Xavier Reese with three simple truths for the church. Truths that we can apply in each of our own fellowships. And you can get your own copy of today's study titled The Heart of Sacrifice for only $4 when you get in touch. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is The Heart of Sacrifice or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Technology seems to have no limits in terms of crafting the next modern convenience, yet has all our progressive thinking been as constructive when it comes to the morality of today? Join the discussion next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com